listening to A Little Too Quiet, the Ferndale Library podcast brought to you by the Friends of the Ferndale Library. My name is Jeff Milo, and on today's podcast, Alice Randall is joining us. Alice Randall is an author born and raised in Detroit, and she has a book for the ages when it comes to celebrating Detroit history. Black Bottom Saints is a literary tour de force, melding nonfiction history and autobiography into the novel form. Celebrating Detroit's legendary neighborhood Black Bottom, a mecca for jazz, sports, and politics. Joseph Ziggy Johnson, a dancer, a writer, a theater director, and an MC, is on his deathbed in 1968, writing from his room inside Kirkwood, a black-owned and staffed hospital. Introducing his reader to more than 60 saints and penning a book-length farewell anthology in the form of a Catholic Saints Day book. Ziggy's saints include Dinah Washington, Joe Lewis, Della Reese, and even Sammy Davis and Martin Luther King, but also Arthur Braggs, the visionary behind Michigan's Idlewild Resort. As Randall writes, Black Bottom was a Camelot, a caramel Camelot, and Idlewild was its Eden. And this is a neighborhood often described these days as forgotten or lost. It was literally paved over by the construction of an interstate in the mid-1960s. Randall's book, recently awarded the Prize of Michigan Notable for 2021 by the Library of Michigan, brings us into a celebration of life through art, through remembrance, and leading into transcendence. From the late 30s to the late 60s, there is so much history and music and life on these pages. There are so many saints to learn about and there is so much to appreciate about Randall's revolutionary novel. Black Bottom Saints is her fifth book, she is a New York Times bestselling novelist and award-winning songwriter and educator. Other books include The Wind Gone, Ada's Rules, Pushkin and the Queen of Spades, and a mix of nonfiction narrative with recipes with soul, food, love. Black Bottom Saints will be out in paperback by midsummer. This is our chat with Alice Randall. Joining me on the podcast is Alice Randall. Thank you so much for being here. Jeff, I'm so excited to be here with you virtually in Ferndale. Your book came out, I believe, in the summer of 2020, Black Bottom Saints. August, I believe it was 18th, mm -hmm. yes. And then in the winter following that, it was recognized as a Michigan notable book for the 2021. So congrats on that. Thank you. That award meant so much to me. I was born in Detroit and... Uh, I have dedicated an earlier novel to the city of Detroit, and this one is fundamentally a love letter to Detroit. So that Michigan Notable Award meant a lot to me. This book is so, so much a celebration love letter to Detroit, to the history of Detroit, to a very specific, though, history of Detroit. This is an era of the late 30s to late 60s, and specifically in a neighborhood, Black Bottom, which folks would probably recognize today as most of I-375 coming down on the other side of Greektown. It was there. And this book takes us there. And you did such a beautiful job. And you gave us characters to live with throughout this book and so much music and culture and food and cocktails. Absolutely. <laughs> well, you know, when the factories were running 365, 24 hours a day, the cocktail bars, the blind pigs, the jukes, they were running somewhere in Black Detroit. There was a bar open right. every hour of every day. And well, I love thinking about cocktail culture as one of those arts that's not recognized as an art. 
a cocktail can be a visual narrative, a visual metaphor. It can be a taste narrative, a taste metaphor. Yes, every chapter in here has its own cocktail. So that's one uh, maybe factor to get you to read the book. But the sort of the, the luminous history that she goes through here, we get to meet so many people and learn so many interesting stories about them. Some of them are very famous and we get to hear stories that we don't usually get to hear about these famous people through Alice Randall's book. Before I dive into my questions, we should hear about this character sort of a, very much at the center of the book, uh, Joseph Ziggy Johnson. Can you tell us about him? Well, the fictional Ziggy and the real Ziggy have a lot in common. Mm -hmm. Both of them are born in Chicago around 1913, 1914, and both of them die in Detroit, Michigan in the early days of 1968. More importantly, both the real Ziggy and the fictional Ziggy are someone I love more than almost everyone else on the planet or in pages. Uh, Ziggy wears three hats. One is he's the MC at the swankiest club in town. When that was the flame, he was the MC there. When that's a 20 grand, he's the MC there. He runs, founds and runs a inner city, a center city dancing school that is called the Ziggy Johnson School of the Theater. And most importantly to me and the fictional colored girl, he is a columnist for the Michigan Chronicle, one of the great black newspapers of the United States. Mm-hmm. So Ziggy has a dancing school, Ziggy's an MC at a club, and Ziggy is a gossip and entertainment columnist. So when I was a little girl, I was born in Detroit in 1959. About the time I was three years old, I was marched through the doors of the Ziggy Johnson School of the Theater and started learning some resiliency lessons. And I also I had met Ziggy before that. My birth was announced in one of his columns. So Ziggy was the very first writer I ever knew. Ziggy inspired me to want to be a writer and made me think I could be a writer because he was running around that dancing school. And as you know, since you write and a journalist, sometimes on deadlines, sometimes looking for something to write about. And so we, his writing life was integrated into the life of the dance school. And he he is the fictional Ziggy is writing this book. The pages are, he's he's writing these down on his deathbed, but he is writing in such a voice where it, it he may be on his deathbed, but it still feels like he's on the stage. It feels like he is introducing these stories as though they are coming out onto the stage for a, a brief four or five page performance for each vignette that you do. It, it's beautiful. Jeff, I so love that you see that. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly Ziggy's on his deathbed and his life is so much defined by his relationships, by the people he loves Mm -hmm. and these children that he wants to serve. He doesn't want to teach them how to dance. He wants to teach them how to be resilient, how to rise from the ashes. And he has one particular little girl that he's trying to save who's been kidnapped by her mother away from Detroit. And so he is trying to create this book, Rushing Against Time, to give her his friends, the characters that he thinks will save her life sometime mm-hmm. in the future. We should say before I ask about more about some of the characters in the book, there is this character, Colored Girl, is how she's identified. She is embodying sort of the way I saw it, almost a sort of a torchbearer completing, as he said, completing Ziggy's task and that it is Colored Girl. She gets small narrations at the beginning of each chapter to sort of continue her story. Uh, what what did she represent to you? Number one, she's an every person. 
she's you know, the every man was a man. Well, now it, this universal person is stuff is female, identifies as black, identifies as female. So she is colored girl, but she's every person. And she is also, she's a composite character. She's a composite character that does have roots in my own life experience. But what she really means to me is she's the person that Ziggy wasn't an abstract person. Mm -hmm. He was actually about the business of putting people together so art would be created and life would be renewed. And she's an example of how this works in a real person's life. So each chapter has three sections. You've already alluded to two of them. One is the profile, the time that one of Ziggy's friends is on stage and performing in their own voice. One of them is the cocktail at the end of each chapter. And the beginning is this woman's story who was once a girl who had to rise from the ashes. And then we we get to hear all these stories about everyone from Martin Luther King to Della Reese to uh, a, a UAW leader, Mark Stepp. So, and... I was going to ask, you have 52 people. 61 saints, actually. <laughs> 52 weeks. We had to add a few movable feasts. I tried to get it down to 52. and never land on just being 52. He had too many friends. And I started off with a thousand of his columns. I actually started off in the basement of a library. That's great. Scrolling through microfilm to read the old Ziggy columns from the late 40s, the 50s, the 60s. And I turned out, I found he also had some columns or remixes of columns in the Chicago Defender and Pittsburgh Courier. I found essentially about a thousand of Ziggy's columns and all. And I poured through them and I tried to figure out who did he love most? Who did he write about most often? Who was most intriguing? And boil that down. So I was trying to get it to 52. But a few people came, got like bubble a stage and share a chapter. Moms Mabley and Detroit Red shared a love and shared a chapter. So there are some people sneak into a chapter together. And Eartha Kitt, who doesn't want to be used by anybody else, she sneaks into a whole other chapter because she's not an official saint. She's the joker. She's not an official saint because she's been used too much to want to be used again. And saints are helpful to people. And Eartha, Ziggy's Eartha, doesn't even want to help colored girl. This is why this book is so amazing, because it completely, I don't know if defy is the right word, but, you know, when we think of a novel, we think of, you know, the conventional novel, but this has elements of memoir for you almost. And then it has elements of nonfiction, because you're drawing from his columns, Ziggy's columns in the Michigan Chronicle. So there's an element of nonfiction and autobiography, but it but it is a novel at the end of the day, but it's also so much about Detroit history. It's such an interesting, it's such an interesting book, Alice. And it's in the form of a Saints Day book crossed with a cocktail. <laughs> That's a big book. Because one of Ziggy's saints is Thomas Bullock. Right. And he published in, I think about 1917, this wonderful cocktail book. Mm -hmm. And so that's another form. I love working with forms that are in everyday people's lives. Mm -hmm. My first novel I ever wrote, The Wind on Gone, was in the form of a diary. Mm -hmm. My fourth novel was in the form of a diet book. Mm -hmm. This one mm -hmm. is in the form of a, of a Saints Day book crossed with a cocktail book. Yeah, And it reminds some people of Spoon River Anthology, some people of Canterbury Tales, some people of profiles and courage. You know, it there, you know, it could also remind you of um, 
Spoon River anthology, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if you, but it is, I hope, wholly itself, because I love it, something that's original. That's Detroit. Yeah. You know, you know and this isn't a question. I, I just want to say I paced myself very specifically with this book, and I sort of took my time with it, and I just read a chapter a day, and it was perfect. And I just, I, I, and I think it's even blurbed on the back that like the cocktails, this book is good when it is sipped and enjoyed slowly. And I just did a chapter a day. And this book is perfectly for taking in at a chapter a day. I appreciate you saying that. And one of the things we're going to encourage with the um, paperback comes out this summer. And of course, I love people getting the book from the library to go with the paperback. I am recording a podcast myself that is one chapter a week, a reader's guide that I will, because I also want to encourage people to read this book. You don't have to start on page one and work your way through. Mm -hmm. It's almost supposed to be like an experience of being inside the Gotham Hotel. Another thing about Ziggy, he lived in this wonderful hotel that Langston Hughes said was the number one Negro hotel in the world that was situated in at least the spiritual black bottom. And it's a little like walking through the lobby of the Gotham Hotel. You don't know who you're going to bump into and what order you're going to. Mm-hmm. So you can you can jump around the book, right. dip in and out like you were jumping around the uh, stopping at different tables in your favorite restaurant in the Gotham or the lobby. And then I wanted to ask this. So when we when we hear about Detroit history, we always hear about our automobiles. And, you know, we do hear about the Great Migration. And we hear about Motown and we hear about the bad boys and we hear about the birth of techno. There are lots of historical focal points that we hear time and time again. But if someone just Googled Black Bottom rather than read your book, if they just Googled it right now, there is a word that pops in the articles of most of the results. And that word is forgotten or lost. Can you talk about how much that may or may not have weighed on your inspiration to write this? It weighed on it a lot. Um, 10 years ago when I started writing this book, this is a book that I spent about six or seven years researching, three or four years writing. I'd say it's a book that took me a half century of living and four earlier novels to get to. So it's my fifth novel and I'm now 61, about to be 62. 10 plus years ago, when I would talk about Ziggy Johnson and say he was a columnist for the Michigan Chronicle, that he was one of my favorite early writers, People would tell me I was misremembering his name, that there was no columnist called Ziggy Johnson. And they would suggest this name or that name and literally tell me, important scholars, that I had gotten it wrong, that there is no Ziggy Johnson that was a columnist for the paper. Now, I thought that it was possible. I knew he had the dance school. I knew he was an MC, of course. But I knew I remembered, but memory can be mutable and complicated. I was really pretty sure that I, my father read to me Ziggy Johnson's columns. But when he's not appearing in any of the big books that are being written about these things and not being mentioned in the scholarly academic articles, I began to wonder if I was even remembering it right. As I said, I'm scrolling in that basement if I have been crazy when I come on the first one and the second one and third one. I cry when I find my actual birth announced in 1959 in one of his columns. But then I also literally cried when I realized after doing it one at a time, I had to load them up individually, screenshot and print them on a printer. It was a tedious, strange task. That all of, that he had actually published articles for almost 20 years. I didn't even know this because some of it was before I was born. I was born in 59. Mm-hmm. 
and that no one, there were people at the Michigan Chronicle now who had totally forgotten that Ziggy ever had, a, was a columnist that he was quote unquote dismissed as a comic MC. He was a choreographer for some shows at Idlewild. He may have been remembered for the dance school, but he had been written out of the record of black journalism. It's incredible. It was, I felt absolutely compelled because I knew that I personally, that by this point I was had published four novels. And I knew, I'm gonna tell you something meaning to, meaningful to me. I don't know if it'll be meaningful to your listeners, but the people, when you first get your first book out, people always ask you, who's the writer who inspired you to want to be a writer? And that came with Wendon Gone. It was a New York Times bestseller. And I would say Zora Neale Hurston. And I love Zora's work. I love Zora Neale Hurston. I would say White Sargasso, C. Jean Reese. I would say Emily Bronte, Weathering Heights. I would talk about Nella Larson. All of those people, particularly those women writers, have been extremely influential to me. Zora Neale Hurston, Nella Larson, Dorothy West, Jean Reese, and the Brontes. But I knew and remembered that I had wanted to be a writer since I was three and four, eight years old, since I was five years old. And there was only one writer I knew when I was five years old. It was none of those people I've just mentioned. That's, it was Ziggy Johnson. That's incredible. That is incredible, though, that, that it had gotten to that point where he was being either minimized or even moved out of the pages of history. I don't want to call names, but I had some important historians that just said, Alice, you have confused the name and were convinced that I was speaking one or two other names. I love the fact that like the Gotham Hotel doesn't exist anymore. I think the Gotham rises in the pages. Absolutely. Of Black Bottom Saints. And I think I've given Ziggy Johnson a monument. I don't think he will be soon and easily forgotten, mm -hmm. not just because of my work, but because of the work that we've done on him and others, people like Butterbeans and Susie. I look forward to the people who will now do some historical scholarship on him. There are many people, and my average reader, I want it to be, you just start Googling. This is the book I want you to read. I love books. But it's also get out your computer, your laptop, your phone, start Googling, start chasing down the breadcrumbs I left for you mm -hmm. in the novel, in the fiction, to take you to other parts of the history, deeper parts of the history, to your find your connections to these people. Because this isn't the story. This is Ziggy's story, edited by Color Girl. Mm -hmm. It's a version of these lives. Mm -hmm. And the things about my, my personal aesthetic as a African-American novelist and as a feminist novelist is I privilege a complex reality that says that truth is not always measurable and not always clear, and that is likely always multifaceted mm -hmm. and contains contradictions. And that, that goes to a quote from your book, this idea of leaving the breadcrumbs to go learn more about this era when there were black folks in Detroit who were the breadwinners and uh, again, that goes back to that that question I had said, where this is sort of sort of described as something that's forgotten or lost. This sort of moment when there was a Camelot, when there was black-owned businesses, when there was black-owned clubs, caramel Camelot. That's a right, caramel Camelot. And I want to say that this is the moment that it is found. 
in general, right now we are going through a time of reckoning, Mm -hmm. but we are also going through a time of finding. Mm -hmm. And right now what I note in the reckoning is the finding, finding of 20 years of black excellence. When Detroit was a Caramel Camelot, an epicenter of black art, industry, athletics, and activism. And I like to say the roots of Black girl magic run straight to Detroit, but the wisdom of Black bottom is for everyone. Because think about the arts. We know the musical arts. We know Motown story, the story that comes before that of Della Reese and others. But let us remember Artist Lane, my only living saint. The Gotham was torn down in 63. Before it was torn down, its walls were hung with portraits that she did of leading figures. And today she has a sculpture of Rosa Parks in the Oval Office and a sculpture of Sojourner Truth in the U.S. Capitol. But she was a practicing painter in Detroit in this era. Mm -hmm. There was something called the Shutterbugs Club that I'm working with Rochelle Riley to get started again. It was the Black Photography Club. It was so fascinating. Sammy Davis, who's one of the saints, joins that club here in Detroit. So just know that Detroit art isn't just Motown, which I love Motown, but it's also sculpture, it's painting. Uh, When we think of athletics, we can think the bad boys, but Detroit is an epicenter of black golf. Ted Rhodes is one of our saints, but Marie Thompson, I believe her last name was Thompson, who was married to a black mailman in Detroit, was one of the greatest women golfers of the 20th century and arguably the greatest black woman golfer. So there's not just, and horseback riding was extremely important to many of the saints from Anna Gordy to uh, Diggs Sr. So there is, Detroit was an epicenter with, if you consider Idlewild, a satellite of Detroit, of black lake life that included boating, swimming, horseback riding, and hiking. How do we forget that? So I love remembering that this is not a brief moment. This is two decades. One of Anna Gordy's other sisters even founded an equestrian club. And there's a tradition that goes back to, as we know, that Detroit is related to Alabama, Mississippi, Arkansas, and Tennessee. Kentucky, Mark Stepp is coming out of Kentucky. The first few jockeys who won the Kentucky Derby were men of color. Black people were involved in horse culture, in slavery and in freedom, and South and North. How do we get that forgotten? Which which makes me wonder, it must have dawned on you at some point, whether early or halfway through or toward the end, that much more than an ode to Jess Ziggy or an ode to Black Bottom, you were truly writing on so many levels, a celebration of life. An absolute celebration of life. Yeah. The main theme of this novel is joy is radical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the second main theme of this novel is love is the strut and hate is the stumble. Yes. And the same way, as much as this novel is completely rooted in Detroit and in Black Bottom, the same way the Harlem Renaissance belongs to everyone who cares about language in the world. Langston Hughes has something to offer readers and writers in Paris today, in Zimbabwe today, 
in Tokyo today, everywhere around the world, we can learn from Langston Hughes poetry, from the Harlem Renaissance. The same to me is true of Black Bottom. Mm -hmm. The art of life practiced in Black Bottom, the art and activism embraced in Black Bottom, the privileging of audience. When you talk about the breadwinners, these men and women working in the assembly line, in this novel, we celebrate them not just for the money they made, or even primarily, but for the art they consumed and supported and the aesthetics where art was actively integrated into the fabric of daily life, sustaining daily life, turning pain into beauty. Transcendence. Transcendence. The movement in this novel is from trauma to transcendence. I don't, those words are never, I don't think are in the novel. I'm so glad you got that. Oh, yeah. Transcendence, that alchemy, how you turn. That's how I consider myself a blues novelist in the way that Angela Davis talks about blues aesthetics, because I am interested in the movement from trauma to transcendence. When people ask me the question, how does a saint get to be a saint? They have three things we have to say yes to. Ziggy loved them. They moved through the Gotham Hotel and they know something significant about moving from trauma to transcendence. And all of this, whether it is the musical arts or the culinary arts or the written arts or, or mixologists, it is, you have helped, helped me show that that is all a celebration of life. And I love that you mentioned the written arts there because that brings me to Robert Hayden, who's the first saint in the book, the first black poet laureate of the United States. But you know, he was born literally right in Black Bottom. He will be at Fisk for a long time, almost 20 some years. And so Fisk is in Nashville, Tennessee. And then he'll come up and be in Ann Arbor. You know, he is associated with so many different poetry movements. And as I said, the first black poet laureate of the United States, but he's a child of Black Bottom and he writes poems that celebrate that art and that life. And I just see, I see Ziggy on the stage. I see him as an MC. I see him writing this on his deathbed, but still being an MC on the stage and welcoming all these saints out, out from a curtain and they're celebrating their lives. And then you are channeling his voice on the page, but you are also channeling yourself into being the MC. You're, you are author as MC each chapter. You would, <laughs> it's great. That is the highest praise anyone has given me. I hadn't thought I am now the MC, the lady MC. I am very, I am actually excited to be following in Ziggy's footsteps. And you know, one of the um, Nellie Hill Trap, one of uh, the characters is a lady MC that Ziggy uh, chooses to follow in his footsteps instead of bringing up a male MC. And that's one of the things I just love that he did that. Mm -hmm. And so, I take that as a great honor. Absolutely. And I want to bring out all these wonderful performances. The different chapters have different voices because the people are really in conversation with Ziggy in their own voice. And it is Ziggy giving every one of them a star turn. I say I love Ziggy. He's my favorite saint because he's the saint that goes color girl, all the other saints. And I am really thrilled to be thinking. I was thinking of myself as a Thomas Bullock or Bricktop mm -hmm. when I was writing the book. I was serving up the drinks, and I was the bartender. But I like that you've elevated me as a lady MC. Truly, truly, truly. And I, of course, goes without saying at this late in the podcast that I 
highly recommend this book. I really enjoyed it. And not only is it such a, a such a breath of fresh air and such a such an illumination of history, but you know, as you said, when you play with form, a lot of folks can read fiction and they'll get halfway through a conventional fiction book and think, oh, this really isn't going anywhere. It's kind of slowing down. This book is something different every six or seven pages. It just keeps you going. So yeah, if you want to want to read three pages, we have some chapters are as short as true. two pages. True. Just dip right in. <laughs> and that makes sense because when I was finishing this book, it's been a hard time in America life for four years. Mm-hmm. People are exhausted. Yeah. And art will revive you. It's water. Yes. Alice, Alice Randall, thank you so much. Uh, Black Bottom Saints is the title of the book. We'll have a uh, link to that and more information about Alice in our show notes. And we cannot thank you enough, Alice, for joining us. It was thrilling to be here. Amazing reader. And I'm taking that new label with me, Lady MC. That's one of the drinks in the book. I didn't realize it was mine. And that was our chat with Alice Randall, the MC of this novel, Black Bottom Saints. Alice Randall, born and raised in Detroit and has written a beautiful book for the history of Detroit. 1930s to the 1960s, the neighborhood of Black Bottom is brought to life on these pages. And yes, every chapter ends with a cocktail recipe. The book will be out in paperback by midsummer. This has been A Little Too Quiet, the Ferndale Library podcast. It's brought to you by the Friends of the Ferndale Library. My name is Jeff Milo. Music is provided by local musician Chad Stocker. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it to social media. If you've been listening to us already, remember to rate, review, or subscribe, or just tell a friend. As always, we appreciate you listening. 